Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Are you a control freak? I think this is a good question for us to be um, asking today. Control, the question of control. If the coronavirus has reinforced one reality for everyone under the sun, it is that we are not in control. Even those who put, hold positions of great you know, power or authority, uh, they just they don't have any control either. They don't have any control over this invisible invader. The disruptions that are caused by the coronavirus are not isolated to one sector, not by any means. Um, Patients with COVID-19, their families, doctors, nurses, hospital administrators, public officials, uh, you know, small business owners, corporate executives, airline. uh, I mean, you know, just think about it doesn't really matter. We're talking here about the public health sector. We're talking about pastors of local churches or heads of industry or uh, heads of state or Commissioners of major sporting leagues or colleges and universities or ball play. I mean, on and on and on and on and on. Nobody has any control over any of this. And those people who were living just a few weeks ago with a sense of relative control, um, they're now sidelined and they are at home with us. Or or maybe I should turn the mirror here. We are at home. They are like. For those of us who are control freaks, I'll just own that. (laughs) Um, they, the they, the proverbial they are at home with us. All right. And so we need a plan um, because our long long range plans are pretty well trashed. And our short term plans, um, well, we are not allowed to have any because uh, literally um, as hours of the days turn and days turn to weeks, we find out that even our short term plans um, are a bit of an illusion that we actually control very little. So um, God grants us dominion, but God retains control. And so I think that we need a little perspective today. I'm going to offer up First Chronicles chapter 29 as a good place to turn to gain a little perspective on life and on control, even for people who have experienced great power in life. That is David's actually walk-off chapter. So First Chronicles chapter 29, if you're looking for a passage of Scripture to turn to in the midst of all of this. Next up, I've got Bill English in the house. He and I are going to talk about leading through crisis, um, especially for those of us who, well, who are control freaks and are having a really hard time with some of this. We'll be right back. Joining me now, Bill English from BibleandBusiness.com. Welcome back, sir. Hey, thanks. Good to be back. My personality is so bright and shiny, but it has a really dark side. That, that is not a dark side. No, no. It, it is. 
It is. I make I make plans, and yeah. um, uh, I don't maybe always communicate those p- with perfect effectiveness with everyone else um, who in these days is also making their plans in the same small shared space. Well, that's more of a communication thing rather than a control thing, don't you think? I don't know. I don't know. Help okay. me out this morning. Talk with us about leadership um, in the midst of crisis. I know that um, our leadership has like these these positive sides, but each one of those positive attributes can show up in a really negative way or, you know, in a negative tendency. So can you walk us around in this? Yeah, I'll walk you around in this uh, and everybody else a little bit. This is a a, a concept that was developed by uh, Dr. Hogan. He had developed the Hogan assessments. They're used for executive consulting, for leadership assessment and development, that kind of thing. I'm credentialed to administer those tests. And um, his concept is that we have, each of us have a set of strengths that are very useful when stress is low. And when we're paying attention to ourselves, that's probably the best way to put that. But that when stress becomes very high, or we or we become distracted, or or unmanaging ourselves uh, is is another way to put that. Um, then these strengths turn into what he calls derailers. They they actually injure us in our um, uh, relationships more uh, than than the strengths uh, help us. In those stressful times. So, for instance, somebody who's usually in a good mood, uh, you take that good mood to an extreme and they start to come across as really excited and probably highly dramatic, something like that. Or if they're usually calm in emergencies, uh, you put them under a lot of stress, they may become so calm that they become lethargic and then people lose confidence in their leadership because they're, they're not taking things seriously enough. So you can take any strength that any of us have and put us under stress, and chances are that strength elongates into a derailer, and it actually injures us more than it helps us. And so there's literally hundreds of strengths that each of us have um, uh, collectively as a group, and maybe five or ten per person, and uh, we have to be aware of what we're like under stress, and a lot of us are under stress right now. And so that's that's how I conceptualize it, and that's how I look at it. Uh, you, you know, Carmen, you're going to find that pastors go through this, business leaders go through this, um, parachurch ministry leaders go through this, leaders and families go through this. Everybody is going to uh, face this in one way or another. And there's a dynamic relationship because um, if I am— a person who's a member of a congregation, you know, I am a sheep of an under shepherd, and my under shepherd um, has, uh, he, you know, his his way of leading under stress does not meet or match up with my sort of felt need for how I want to be led in in or under uh, pressure or under crisis. Same applies, like right as I'm uh, as I'm working right now in a very different way with my employer. Or for those who, um, you know, who are feeling like their boss is not necessarily leading right now in a way that gives them confidence or courage, that's because there's a dynamic relationship between the way a person is leading and the way that a person has a sense that they would desire to be led. And that that would be correct. And the outflow of that is that the person who is being led will tend to make a negative evaluation of the leader 
based yes, on that, that one. In the, in the church, we used to call that these sheep bite. <laughs> I've never heard that before. Um, <laughs> but but you, you were a pastor, you would know. And uh, But the problem is we, we sum up the leader's entire persona in that one uh, negative assessment. And people are far too complex to sum up in, in one negative assessment. And we do this all the time in our political discourse and uh, many times in our religious discourses. I, I, I can't tell you how many pastors I've heard sum up Paul uh, in one or two words because he wrote this or he wrote that, or they sum up Peter's entire life because he wrote this or he wrote that, or we sum up God's entire thinking on something because of something that was written in one part of the scriptures. We tend to re be very reductionistic in our assessment of very complex people and complex problems. Okay, that um, we should pull that as an audio clip because I do think you, we do exactly that, and none of us wants to be reduced down to any no. one um, attribute or aspect, and certainly not in our worst moment. Correct, correct. But that is leadership, right? Uh, that's one of the undeniable truths I have in leadership is that you have to risk being misunderstood. And that's, that's a kind way of saying that. But yeah, leaders have to be willing to be misunderstood in order to lead because he, people are going to be reductionistic in how they view you. That's really good. I've written that down. All right. I want to talk about, um, you know, maybe some, some very specific things related to leading through crisis. Um, you describe them as having some like narrow or negative tendencies and then, you know, leading in terms of broad approach or present versus long view. So let's return to those in just a minute. Let's take a very brief break. I'm talking with Bill English you can find what we're talking about today at BibleAndBusiness.com. We'll be right back. Continuing my conversation with Bill English, you can find what we're talking today at BibleAndBusiness.com. Um, Bill, we're all living in the midst of this crisis. We're all feeling the pressure of it. What could leaders be doing better, and how could we as Christians better respond to them? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. We have three parts to this. By the way, for those who are interested, uh, this part of our discussion here on air is taken from the Harvard Business Review article that was just recently published called, Are You Leading Through Crisis?, or managing the response. So uh, the first thing that I think we're seeing is that our leaders on the national level are becoming narrowly focused. Whenever you're faced with a danger, you tend to hyper-focus on the danger. That's just natural, right? Uh, but they're focusing uh, solely or primarily on the danger of the coronavirus, and they're really focused on um, uh, in a word, they're, they're, they're very narrow. I think what, the, what they need to do is to be more broad. They need to pull back and look at the mid-ground and the background and take a more holistic view of the situation because there are some real opportunities here for us as a nation. Uh, if we just face into those opportunities, however injurious COVID is going to be to us, if we take advantage of those opportunities, I think as a nation we can come out stronger and better on the other side. And so as we focus on COVID, the economy, and the health, which are really the three things 
uh, people are focused on. A holistic view would include the natural tendencies of people and our hyper-individualistic culture, by the way, uh, to see how we can better respond and maybe open up parts of the economy more quickly rather than just having a, a, a single decision there. I'd like to see Christians here include God's perspective in their discourse on COVID. What is COVID really happening? Because God wasn't surprised by this, right? God didn't come along and say, oh, my heavens, where did this virus come from? No, he knew this was going to happen um, since the beginning of time. He's not surprised. And so what is the what is a Christian response here? A Christian response is going to include God's perspective and the long-term good that can come out of this. If it takes a COVID to bring America back to bowing its knee before God, is not COVID a good thing? I think from my perspective, I would say yes. Yeah, and that falls into the, you know, certainly God is working all things together for his good and the good of those um, who love him and are called according to his purpose. It, it certainly echoes the reality um, of the life of Joseph where, you know, God is going to take what what many, 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 many people experience as evil, and he is going to use it for good. We just can't see it necessarily right now from our perspective. So when I think of the way Christians um, need to respond, should be responding, I do think that that bringing perspective is a huge role we have right now in the culture, to bring perspective, to offer peace of mind, to demonstrate a confident trust in God, um, to not be the people who, um, who just fall apart in the midst of this, but that you know, we point to the firm foundation upon which our lives are constructed, and we yep. say, even in the midst of this storm, Christ holds. This anchor holds. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And Christ, he may be sleeping in the boat. It's fine. It's really fine. Yeah, it's uh, fine. We're, we're going to get all the fine. way to the other side. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. Another negative tendency might be a present focus versus, um, you know, a more long view perspective. Talk about that. Yeah, here leaders, when they're faced with an immediate danger, they they get seduced into managing and making important decisions quickly. And I got to tell you, I've been in that situation. There is a bit of an adrenaline rush and a high. You kind of go home and you go, man, I really did some good work today. Uh, But uh, if you get seduced into managing only the presence and you take your view off the long term, um, then you're going to miss out on anticipating what's likely to happen a month or a year from now and to be able to prepare your organization or your church for those things that are going to be coming up. So leadership is going to be more balanced, but it's really, really you're going to want to delegate most decisions off to your managers, and the leaders are going to be the people who are looking at how is this thing, how is this danger going to affect us long term? And that goes back to taking advantage of potential opportunities that crop up. Um, under every danger, there's an opportunity, at least one. How do we take advantage of that so that we propel this organization, this mission forward? This can be especially true in the churches. I, I'm noticing the churches, hither and yon, are starting to open up Vimeo channels, YouTube channels. They're learning how to do things online. Maybe they can. Maybe maybe our churches can do a much better job of seeing the church as a collection of people who believe in God and less focused on how many people are coming on Sunday morning. Uh, churches can can go viral in in a way that uh, that that you know you can have a pastor here in Maple Grove, Minnesota, 
reaching people in the Xinjiang province of China, for example. Uh, unheard of if you look at the church as a physical construct, very doable with the internet and a non-physical construct. So that's an example of how this thing is oper- giving us opportunities in the church. I also observe, and this would be a self-observation, um, right, my desire for control um, might turn into micromanagement. Talk about that as the negative tendency, and then what would the positive flip side of that look like? Yeah, so the the tendency to take control, to micromanage, to over-centralize processes and decision-making leads to uh, really getting an organization stuck because even minor decisions now have to flow through a central command. You don't want to do that. So what you want to do instead is to create order and predictability. You want to focus on collaboration and process. As a leader, you want to make sure that you have good order and good process in place and determine which decisions you, the leader, need to make and then delegate everything else. Uh, Leadership is about as much empowering other people to be their best and to grow them uh, control is is your enemy here if you hold on to it too long in the midst of a crisis. And if you hold on it too tightly, it'll, it'll kill your organization. So I had a, um, uh, I had a supervisor once who, um, I mean, I think rightly uh, described me as a person <clears throat> who liked to have her own head. Like, right, if you were going to describe me as a horse, I'm a horse who might like to have her own head. And yet, okay. um, and yet right, we recognize the need as Christians to not only be bridled, but to be, um, you know, to be trained. Um, but then once you have a well-trained racehorse, you should let it run. Yes. And so I think that the confidence that leaders can have in those whom they have recruited and trained along the way, you can trust that you recruited the right people, you trained them well, and you can, in the midst of this, kind of let them have their head. Let them run. Let your creative people create. Um, trust them to be working at whatever hours of the day or night work best for them in their homework environment. Like, trust that that's happening um, and don't try to over-centralize control. That's what I hear you saying. Yes. And, and honestly, if you're, if you're seeing your leadership in your church or your organization, your business, if they can't work effectively from home with each other and with you, then you haven't built a good management team. You just haven't. And eight hours of Zoom meetings a day um, is not good management because you can't actually do anything if you have to be sitting there with other people watching you the whole time. That's just weird. So if you're doing that to your people, stop. That'll be stop my it. stop it. Okay. That's right. Um, all right. Uh, Bill English, thank you so much. People can find Bill at BibleAndBusiness.com. Thank you, my brother. Hey, thank you. Have a good day. You too. We'll be right back. It is God's desire that grace should be extended to more and more people. You and I are familiar with the Great Commission that we would go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that Christ commanded, acknowledging that he, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is with us always. How is it that Christianity spread from a localized event in a place called Judea to the ends of the earth. How is it that that happened? 
That is uh, the question that is explored in a series called Inexplicable. It's a docu-series. You can find it on TBN. And I've got the executive producer, Norm Mental, up next. This is Max Lakato. The woman at the well. Decades of loose living had left her tattooed and tabooed in living with a boyfriend who thought a wedding was a waste of time. Gossipers wagged their tongues about her and her five ex-husbands. How else can we explain her midday appearance at the water well? Other women filled their buckets at sunrise, but this woman preferred the heat of the sun over the heat of their scorn. Jesus wasn't put off by her past. He offered to make music out of her garbage, and she accepted his offer. And the woman on the margin became the woman with the message. No one else gave her a chance, but Jesus gave her the chance of a lifetime. He came for people like her. This is Max Looking. is the Dean of the School of Communication and Creative Arts at Liberty University. Uh, he is also um, the husband of Dr. Linda Mental, whom we talk with here on a regular basis, uh, host of the Dr. Linda Mental Show here on the Faith Radio Network. Norm is joining us today because he's also the executive producer of a documentary series on uh, TBN, which is the Trinity Broadcasting Network. The series is called Inexplicable, How Christianity Spread to the Ends of the Earth. Norm, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Well, good morning, Carmen. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. It'd be fun to talk with you about all the hats you wear. Um, today, we'll just focus in on this one. Thank you so much um, for joining us. Uh, this, is an, this is an excellent, worthy effort to bring to, um, bring to con- a contemporary audience the story of how Christianity actually did um, spread to the ends of the earth. Talk about the vision for this series, and then um, and then be sure and tell people how they can find it. Oh, thank you. Yes, I had uh, <laughs> our friend Eric Metaxas uh, said to me one time after he watched the first episode, he said, you know, I think most of us Protestants think there was the uh, ascension of Jesus, the Reformation, and then the contemporary church, and we don't have any idea what happened in between. I said, well, I think you're probably right for some people, uh, but uh, the commission was uh, from from TBN that the year 2020 would be a year of bringing clarity of vision about our faith. And so as a part of that initiative, they asked me to produce two different television series. One is this six-part documentary series on the history of Christianity called Inexplicable. And the second is a series of 20 specials looking at what God is doing today in 20 regions around the world. So we're giving both history and contemporary updates on on the move of the gospel around the globe and how that has affected our world. So we start in Jerusalem in the first century, and we do actually start with the Ascension, but we move chronologically and at the same time somewhat continentally through the six episodes as the gospel spread around the earth, and we end in current day and in sub-Saharan Africa, which 
by many missiologists' uh, opinion, is the hottest hotspot and growth of Christianity on the globe. I love the, um, I don't know, the balance, the tension, the the reality that we have this historical uh, documentary series in one hand, and then we have these contemporary uh, stories of of faith in action today. Um, right. Talk about a little bit what maybe what you've discovered uh, about the relationship between the history of faith in a particular region um, and the current state of faith in that same region. It occurs to me that even in the very first episode um, of Inexplicable, you know, we find ourselves in North Africa. And in terms of where we find ourselves um, in uh, in the experience of faith today, we still find ourselves in Africa. And, and that was precisely our, uh, our little strategy, was to bookend our documentary series with Africa. I, I think a lot of Christians are uh, at least not fully aware that the gospel went from Jerusalem, both north and south and west. Uh, we, we know the, the travels from the book of Acts and of Paul and Peter and the other apostles as they moved mostly uh, up into what was then called Asia and then over into Rome and uh, perhaps all the way to Spain. Uh, But few of us uh, know as much about what happened in Northern Africa. And of course, Augustine of Hippo was African. Hippo was in Africa and uh, the, the gospel spread that way. In fact, if you think about it, the first convert that we really know about was the eunuch from Ethiopia, and he went, after Stephen baptized him, he went straight to Africa, went home. And so the gospel went right away in the, in the very first century uh, down into Africa and, and had a, quite a, a large burst of growth in the first three centuries after Jesus. But today, that has sub-Saharan Africa has, has replaced uh, the northern Africa, which was pretty much subsumed by Islam, uh, over the centuries uh, that followed. So there is such a growth of what God is doing uh, by his spirit and by the incredible hunger of people uh, in that part of the world. But that doesn't say it's not also in Latin America and in Asia, which are also huge areas of growth for Christianity. So to answer your question, I'm sorry, more specifically, it's fun to trace how Christianity developed in these different parts of the world, and then to contrast that with what's going on today. So in some places, like Europe, uh, which many people have said is godless and it's post-Christian, we, uh, in our contemporary series, are finding wonderful pockets of where God is moving and uh, tremendous growth is beginning again in what was a dead part of the world. So we have inex- we have inexplicable, which is the six part series. Um, it's the documentary how Christianity spread to the ends of the earth, and then we have this contemporary conversation um, focusing on what God is doing today in twenty regions around the world. It's an exciting um, both and you call them bookends. I I just feel like it's um, it's the conversation that Christians need to be having. We can better understand the Great Commission and actually how it has been carried out over time. And then we can also get a window into what God is doing in the world today. It's, um, it's energizing. It's exciting. We've been talking here about our sense that there is a revival globally underway. We focused on it yesterday with a, with a number of guests. Um, you, are, you are bringing us 
visually and experientially what we have, what we are suspecting is happening and what data is telling us is happening. But, you know, data doesn't sing. These these stories um, come to life for us. And I'd love for you to share with us um, a little bit about the process. Dennis Haysbert is um, featured in here. We know him from the Allstate commercials or as President Palmer in the first uh, few seasons of of the show 24. Man, he is a voice of authority. He certainly is. We were so thrilled that uh, he accepted our invitation to be the host for our Inexplicable series. Um, he he has. Uh, they, they asked me the first time I met with them. They said, "What? Why do you want to use Dennis?" And I said, "Well, there are two qualities that, in my mind, come instantly to the forefront when I think about him and his voice and and his acting work. One is gravitas." And one is integrity, and he's believable. I, what he tells me, I go, of course. <laughs> First of all, President Palmer would never lie to me. <laughs> and second of all, I can trust him and, and Allstate. So uh, there's there's that. But we had a premiere of the first episode at the Museum of the Bible, and uh, he hadn't yet seen the first episode, and we showed that to a, a, a group of people who had come and uh, afterwards, we had a, a panel talkback session, and he was moved almost to tears. Uh, and and he, he, he said, I didn't realize that people gave their lives for their faith. And it, it struck him in a more current context that we may do that. And, of course, today there are thousands and thousands of people giving their lives every day for, for the cause of Christianity. The the threat of persecution um, is is evident throughout the series, and the threat of persecution today um, remains. That's a conversation um, that we could return to in just a moment. We have to take a very brief break. I'm talking with Norm Mental. I am uh, talking with him today uh, in his role as the executive producer of a documentary series and a series of one-hour specials created for TBN, the Trinity Broadcasting Network. You can find all of it. Um, on TBN's websites. There's a special website that's designed for just this content, The State of Faith. Do I have it right? I should pull it back up and actually look at it. Thestateoffaith.com. You got it. Thestateoffaith.com. We'll be right back. Your plans to prosper. You've not forgotten us. You're with us in the fight and the flood. Continuing my conversation with Norm Mental, yes, you recognize his last name. Uh, he he has the I don't know privilege, honor, uh, glory of being married to <laughs> Linda Mental, uh, who talks with Absolutely. us on a regular basis here on the morning show. You also listen to her on the Doctor Linda Mental show right here on the Faith Radio Network. Um, uh, so you have a um, uh, you you have I mean. Well, you have a, a lilt in your voice. That's nice. The joy of salvation is clearly upon you. Well, thank you. And uh, to to speak to my wife's uh, status for just a second, someone once asked me, asked, asked me, what's it like to be married to a shrink? And I said, I don't know. She's the only person I've ever married. <laughs> so <laughs> I said, I said, I can tell you that we have a very healthy relationship because she believes in dealing with things immediately. And so we do. And uh, that I think that's been... That's been a great joy and fun for us for many years. Um, I just love I that. tell you what, Carmen, this is this project for me, when they first uh, asked me about it, instantly I realized it's a legacy project because 
to my knowledge, no one has been audacious enough to take on 2,000 years of Christian history and, and document it for people to see. And my hope is that should there be something 100 years from now, and people Google or whatever will do in those days uh, about Christianity, this series will pop up and that it will be just as relevant and just as informative and just as powerful as we hope it is now, then, so that when people are searching for what should I know about this faith, uh, whether they're Christians or not, uh, this will be available. And if you are a Christian, I think there is 2,000 years of fabulous information you may not yet appreciate, and we'd love for you to be able to do that. So again, um, we want to encourage uh, folks to check out this the state of faith, the state of faith.com. That's actually where you can um, you can get this content. You can watch the first couple of episodes right there. Um, on tbn.org. They've got the videos um, posted and you can watch them. I'd, I'd like to talk for just a couple of minutes, Norm, about the very first episode um, because the uh, there are themes that are lifted up in this very first episode from the cradle uh, to Christianity, part one, um, that I think were not only informative about how it all started, but they're informative today. When you talk about pagan religions being tied to particular regions and how Christianity is not tied to a particular region, but it's it's really this unbound God who's universal. Um, when you talk about it, uh, not only as relationships, but really relational, there's just recipro- reciprocal grace that exists in the life of the early church. That, to me, speaks of the need for, you know, social justice today. Um, when you talk about the role of the Holy Spirit in and through the believers, the saints of that day, and the way that it was the power of the Holy Spirit that really extended the gospel. The same holds true today. There's a really great, excellent worldview explanation or exploration at one point that the refusal to worship other gods was really the issue. It wasn't that Christians worshiped Jesus or worshiped the God uh, whom Jesus glorified, it was that they would not worship any other gods. It was the exclusion of the other gods that was of particular offense. I think that's still true today. Well, and that's exactly what uh, many of us have failed to grasp. I think I certainly had before we got into this, uh, is that the Romans called these Christians, they didn't call them Christians, they called them pagans. They called them pagans because they wouldn't worship the Roman gods. And they wouldn't pay tribute or tithe to the Roman gods. And that's what angered the Roman establishment and caused them to begin persecuting these pagans who we call Christians. So (laughs) it's kind of a reversal and a flip of the concept of what today we would call a pagan, someone who doesn't believe in God. Well, they believed that those folks didn't believe in their gods, and so they were pagans. Uh, and that, that was the source of their persecution. But you're exactly right, Carmen. What we find over 2,000 years is that many of the exact same issues are still in play today. In fact, uh, there was a time a few years ago I actually wanted to produce a film that had Jesus coming back, coming for the first time, quote-unquote, to Israel today in contemporary times. But he time-warped, and he showed up with his beard and his long robes, and it was kind of like, oops, how did I get here? And the whole concept was, well, nothing much has really changed. We need you as much today as we needed you 2,000 years ago. Well, which is certainly true, right? Um, Exactly. (laughs) And and the resurrection, which we have just celebrated at Easter, 
I just have been saying now for the last couple of days, I'm going to keep saying it. Easter is not a day on the calendar, and it is not an event that is trapped in history. Easter is the reality in which we live and move and find our being as Christians. We are Easter people. We go forth from the resurrection um, as people who recognize that God has triumphed um, and that that changes everything. And that is what I think you have successfully captured in this series, Inexplicable, and then um, and then are expressing in this other uh, series of programs as well. You're, you are really helping us see and experience that Easter was not just a one-time, one-day event. It became the reality in which the Easter people have lived now for, uh, for, for 20 centuries. Right. And what's exciting for me is to see how that worked out in the lives of different people throughout history. So, for example, in our second episode, we actually are really crazy. We take on 1,100 years of history from the fall of Rome in 410 AD up through the Reformation in Europe. And the gospel spread into Europe and all the way up into Britain, all the way over to Spain. We end with Columbus sailing for the New World in that episode. Excuse me. But uh, to see how this faith was accepted by um, people in Russia, for example, and, and, and how uh, Katerina was a princess, and she accepted it and helped influence an entire part of her world. And uh, at, at, toward the end, how Isabella accepted the gospel, the Queen of Spain. Uh, and how that infused so much of their energy for Columbus to go. Columbus had been begging them for seven years to fund an exploration to the east, to what he thought would be the Indies or India. And it was finally this realization that the gospel needs to spread to the world that was part of, let's not Let's not be naive and say that was the only reason Columbus sailed. There was also a very huge monetary reason. But this part of the gospel being spread was in large measure because Isabella of Castile had internalized this gospel message and wanted to share that with whomever else Columbus might run into. It's just awesome. Um, So, Norm, I just want to say on behalf of a grateful people, thank you. Thank you for doing this. Um, it is wonderful. We want to invite people to visit thestateoffaith.com. Uh, Trinity Broadcasting Network has done this as a gift, so we want you to check it out, thestateoffaith.com. Norm Mental, thank you so much for being with us today on Mornings with Carmen. My great pleasure. Thank you, Carmen. Give, give Linda our greetings. I'll do that. All right. We'll be right back. All right, a lot of people are uh, depressed today. I hope you are not one of them. I hope you're energized. I hope that as you consider um, that God is on the move, I hope that you consider how he is moving right where you are. The Holy Spirit is hovering over the chaos. If, If right now you feel like you're in darkness and chaos and things are just spinning wildly out of control, The Holy Spirit of the living God is hovering over that right now. He's just waiting for an invitation. He's just waiting for an invitation. Uh, And so let us cooperate today with the Holy Spirit. Let us uh, be the people who go forth from the empty tomb, empowered by the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, 
um, into the Great Commission, even in these days, with the technology God's given us to share the good news of the gospel, that his grace might be extended to more and more people. Have a great day, and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.